Okay, we're going to get right into our time now. Uh, last week, I think it was last week or a week before, last week we gave out this uh, pamphlet here, and it was read by the chairman of the Board of Pastors to let you know where we corporately stood as pastors concerning the upcoming referendum and on gambling in general. And we want to be sure that we have an opportunity to hear your voice on this as well. Because we would like to be able to tell when we stand and speak about this, which I think we will be doing, that Calvary Bible Church stands for something. And we could be sure that we are representing your views as well. So what we're going to do right now is I'm going to have a brother, a Pastor Fowler. He's going to read the statement. But you feel free to ask questions or make comments on any portion as he goes along. Uh, he will answer it, I will answer it, Pastor Andre, or any of the other pastors here will try to respond to your questions. Because we want to be sure that you are involved in this referendum when it occurs. We don't want you to stay home. We want you to go out and to vote. Now, the head of the Roman Catholic Church says he's not going to tell us people what to do. You can leave them to make up their own mind, make their own decision. Well, we're going to advise you, we're going to encourage you to vote no. And we're going to give you good reasons for that. So he's going to come, we can have a discussion. If we have enough time, then I'll make a short presentation on why I believe that gambling is a sin. You know, because we hear people say the Bible doesn't say anything about gambling. Therefore, it is not wrong, it is not a sin. I'm going to show you that if you understand what gambling is, Gambling by its very nature is evil. By its very nature, it's a sinful act. It's impossible to gamble and not commit idolatry as a Christian. That's what I want to show you from scriptures in a moment. And then, Pastor Arnold, perhaps before I do that, he's going to share a very telling illustration of the effects that gambling can have on a family. Let's begin with Pastor Fowler. Yes, yes. Um, so I don't have to shout. Uh, again, this is the what we had inserted in the bulletin last week. Gambling, a collective pastoral response for Calvary Bible Church. As God's children, we are here to represent his interest on the earth, to love, worship, and serve him. We could find no aspect of gambling that biblically permits us to love, worship, and serve him. In fact, we believe that the Bible is diametrically opposed to the practice and embedded essence of gambling. Gambling is philosophically irrational and a biblically immoral activity. We begin with a forensic analysis of the definition and nature of gambling. It is defined as staking or risking something of value upon the uncertain outcome of a contest of chance or a future contingent event not under the control or influence of an individual with the expectation or agreement or understanding that he or she or someone else will receive something of value in the event of certain outcome. The three basic elements to gambling are, one, a capricious event requiring no skill or intelligence, two, a wager of something of value, and three, a desirous winner and a disappointed loser. The issue of a national lottery 
or casino gambling, including internet gambling, involves all three elements. Despite the plethora of glitzy romancing of gambling today, the impact of its horrid reality is clearly mirrored in these apt synonyms for the word gamble, hazard, imperil, lay on the line, peril, put in danger, put in jeopardy, threaten, tempt fate, conjecture, etc. Little regard is given to the negative turbulence caused to affected families of gamblers. We believe that gambling is rooted in greed, selfishness, covetousness, poor work ethics, and filthy lucre or materialism. It is in these areas and for these reasons that we believe that the Bible speaks loudly and clearly against indulgence in this deceptive iniquity called gambling. Exodus 20, verse 15 and 17 says, in effect, you shall not steal and you shall not covet. These two commandments are fundamental planks in having a stable society. Stealing is defined as to deprive others of their property without consent or permission. It comes in many forms, including grand larceny, embezzlement, non-payment of debt, plagiarism, employer's time, falsifying measurement, and accounts, etc. Covetousness is defined as to long for or desire earnestly to lust after what legitimately belongs to others. It is sinful to lust after anything that God never intended for you to have. When a gambler wages something of value in hope of gaining a maximum return, albeit by chance, he does not consider his actions as making a donation or a contribution to someone else's need or greed. Indeed, he or she implicitly expects others to lose their wager so that he or she might possess it. In essence, the loser is being robbed of his property by someone who did not provide a service or product for the same. This is biblically immoral and therefore wrong. Stealing is symptomatic of the unredeemed and the old man, according to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. We as God's children are admonished to let him who stole steal no more. In addition to the immoral practice of stealing and covetousness, gambling also erodes the discipline of having a good work ethic. Instead, it promotes a get-rich-quick mentality and an aversion to work. Proverbs 21, verse 5, speaks eloquently to the dignity and value of honorable work. Interestingly, it is those who are most economically vulnerable that are significantly attracted to the law of voluntary victims and practitioners of stealing and covetousness or gambling. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, admonishes believers to provide through implied honorable means for their families. According to 2 Thessalonians 3 and 10, it says, in effect, that if a man implied able-bodied does not work, he should not eat. Romans 13, 4 tells us that the government is the minister, servant, appointee, representative of God. As such, the government is expected to provide order, tranquility, security, general welfare, and promote public virtue. 
covetousness usually precedes or gives birth to stealing. Stealing is antagonistic or opposed to engaging in honest work. These are intrinsic features of gambling. If one promotes or participates in gambling, then he or she directly supports the practice of these intrinsic features of gambling. Gambling spurns the sovereignty of God and enthrones the God of chance. Matthew 6, 24-25 tells us that we cannot serve God and mammon. We must choose from these two rivals. Either you believe in the all-sufficiency of our God or the God called greed. Worry about the future is sin. It denies the claim of God concerning his love, which simply says he does not care, or his wisdom, simply saying he does not know how, and his power, simply saying he is unable in meeting our needs. Gambling subverts the moral fabric of an individual, a community, and a society. It is a genderless, non-discriminatory, and seductive vice that exploits greed, materialism, stealing, and discontentment among a people. As such, we, the pastoral leadership of Calvary Bible Church, are unanimous in our conviction that gambling is biblically an affront to God, and therefore, it is a sinful activity in any and every form of its expression. Concomitantly, and for the glory of God, we therefore admonish all persons, especially those of the incredible body of Christ, to abstain from and reject gambling in all its forms. Amen. Your comments or questions? Anyone? First of all, how do you respond to that statement? Come, folks, we want to hear from you now. Hey, yes, I would say it's very much um, precise. You really go into great detail and saying where the church, or where the pastoral board, I would say, would stand, and I don't see why the church wouldn't back it up. 100%. All right, that's one. <laughs> Anyone else? Uh, or to get away from the statement itself, what is your feeling, your attitudes toward the proposed... Um, Referendum. You have any concerns? You have any questions? <laughs> I would say, let me just make sure I have. I I believe this is right, but is it currently stated on the law that gambling is illegal? No, really. And again, it's changed now. It's only talking about. Well, right now, the web shops numbers is illegal. Right. So, but all they want you to do is to agree with them, to make it legal now. So it is currently illegal. Oh, yes, definitely. Okay, my point to that is if that's currently illegal, if murder is currently illegal, if molestation is currently illegal, if prostitution is currently illegal, if strip clubs are currently illegal, why can't people make referendums for other things? Well, that's a question many people are asking. Yeah, it's because a really, slope. One of the big questions is if the vote no wins over this one, what are they going to do? He, the prime minister, says they're going to close it down. Well, the question now is they can do it then. Why not do it now? And then you don't need the referendum. Yeah, that's yeah. my point. They should so really have forced it in the first place. This is a big political thing. Well, don't let me get in that part of it. But any, any other comments or questions? 
right here. One, oh, go ahead. That's a comment. That's a comment. Uh, I think the pastoral response is comprehensive and thorough, and I agree with it. Amen. Very good. Thank you. Jane, Sister Jane. We have another mic someplace. Don't you think that uh, if the law clamps down upon them, they will go underground and continue? Perhaps. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't do it. No, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> they, that's, you know, they should have mean they shouldn't do it. I never thought about gambling before because it was like in the back burner. But personally, I don't like to lose, so I don't take part in it. <laughs> I prefer to give somebody that money. At least you're being money. honest. <laughs> I prefer to give that money to somebody and say, go and use it because... I know I don't win right. anything, but well, now that we brought the biblical kind of perspective to it and also making us come make a stand on it, the thing that uh, drives home to me was the fact that you don't trust God, but you want to take chances, and right. that is what keeps staring at me from the biblical explanation that you've given, that if you trust God, you have faith in God, then you must go with that faith, and as growing Christians, right. as journeying Christians, I think we are also asked to take a stand. Apart from the spiritual things to Pastor Lee, I'm looking at the social implications, the the moral implications and all of that, because we want people to work hard for their money, not slothful people who don't want to have no sweat on their forehead, but want to make easy money. And I think that is, and another thing is gambling, if it is not a biblical perspective, is for people who could afford to have disposable cash. We don't have disposable cash. We are people who earn money and have to pay bill. You know what I mean? We are, we do, well, you we see, that's the thing with gambling. Gambling, people don't lure the rich as much as it lures the poor because the poor wants to get money. So the little bit they have, they will spend on that. And the chances is they lose it. Then their family suffer as a result of this. We've seen families gone bankrupt. The children don't have anything to do because it's just like an addiction. You could take but it is an addiction. all the other things that you do. You could take it, no? It is an addiction. In fact, in one of the papers that I did, we did a study to show that it actually can become a brain disorder. It's actually called a brain disorder now when it becomes that addiction. I was at a forum of, because... Since it became a current topic, I wanted to hear from everybody too because I go with my spiritual, what I think as, as a journeying Christian, I need to think about that. But a lot of people feel as if, why are you telling me not to gamble? Give me the opportunity to make a decision not to. And then I said, oh. Then they're not even looking at the spiritual uh, perspective. So we have a lot of people who need to be I agree, on this but that, that's why we're addressing Christians mostly than non-Christians. Yeah. I believe as pastors we have a responsibility and an obligation to instruct our people into things that are proper and that represent Christ. And we believe that gambling is not one of those things. It should be shunned. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have time tonight, but I could show from Scripture that those who gamble are actually committing idolatry. Jesus himself says that greed is idolatry. And you cannot gamble without being greedy. You cannot gamble without showing avarice or being covetous. It's just impossible to gamble without those traits. Impossible. And so gambling is inherently an evil thing. And God says, and I'm going to show it from the word if I have time, 
It's actually uh, an act of idolatry. So I picture those people who gamble as going into temples, offering their sacrifices to the gods of chance and the gods of luck. The Bible talks about that. And I wanted to show that later on as well. But before I go on, since you mentioned the problems that can, gambling can cause to families, Pastana, this might be a good time for you to share what you shared with us earlier. He shared a very vivid example of what gambling can do to a family. I can give you a number of families who are practically destroyed because of gambling, but I'll deal with a more recent one. Friday night pass. This particular couple came from a rented place because they couldn't keep up their rent. Both individuals have government jobs, well-paying jobs. But every time they get the money, the wife gambles it out. They went to another place for rent, and they, were, they told the landlord that they were being transferred from an island. No questions were asked, but this, this, you talk about gambling, it, it, it's a downward spiral. You've got to lie if you gamble. As far as they're concerned, they were being transferred from an island and had to move in immediately because they were put out of wherever they were because they couldn't pay the rent. And it's, they have only, they've been there less than two months. And from the deposits they couldn't afford, they give an excuse as to why they couldn't afford it. But on Friday, they called the landlord. The wife called the landlord to say, pick up the rent in 10 minutes because she had to go out. Someone went to pick up the rent within 10 minutes. When they got there, they discover that the husband was changing the locks on the door to keep the wife out because the night before she gambled $800 that was for the rent. So he is going to remain in the building until the end of this month, but she had to go. And as far as he's concerned, the marriage is over. So if you think gambling isn't having, raising havoc now, you're mistaken. Amen. But you can imagine what it would be like if it is, if it does become legal. Mm-hmm. All right. Any other questions or comments? I think if we have a voice and we are able to go out, we should, because then if we don't, we are agreeing and saying it's right. fine for it to go on. And that saddens my heart, and I hope any believers in here who have that opportunity will go to the polls and say no if that's where God is leading you. But the flip side, and I have an anecdotal evidence to this, and this is not just something I am guessing Many, many born-again believers are really involved in gambling, and it's breaking up their families. Yeah. They're deacons in the churches and our local assemblies, and they are heavily involved in gambling. 
So oh, I, I think that is quite true. In fact, remember when I first made my presentation some months ago here, I said that I believe that if all the Christians would stop playing the numbers, that'll be enough to shut them down. Because that's how much I believe that Christians are not convicted or convinced about things like this, you see. And it's a shame. And so I agree with Helen, you know, don't stay home. Go out and vote and vote no. If you don't vote, you're voting yes. All right. I think one of the things that we need to understand is what gambling is. And the statement, I think, defined it, but let's bring it home. Here is a combined definition of all the definitions that you get concerning gambling. It's amazing how many people talk about gambling but cannot define it. They do not know what it is. Here is the definition. Gambling is the action a person takes in a deliberate attempt to secure the wealth or possession of someone else that is worth more than what the person is willing to pay that other person. In other words, if you were to gamble and you're going to put a dollar down and knew that the most you could win is a dollar, you probably won't gamble. In fact, if you win, you probably won't be too glad about just to get a dollar back for your dollar. Well, is that right? You always want more than what you're putting in. So, you see, that's a covetous aspect. That's an avarice attitude. Willing to pay the other person who mutually agrees to the same arrangement. In other words, this would two people agree either to be robbed, uh, uh, that's the person who loses, of course, or to win. But there's agreement that is made. That's what I call agreed stealing, where you agree for someone to steal from you. Based upon the outcome of an event over which neither has control. True gambling, which is called gaming really, takes no skill or intelligence. If skill or intelligence is involved, it is not gambling. It is not gaming. You understand what I'm saying? That's why, personally, I believe that one of the most illogical things a person can do is to gamble. Like someone has said, a thinking person does not gamble. And when they gamble, they're not thinking. All right, now that's a, that's a definition. Let's move on. One only truly gambles if there is a chance of getting more than he or she wagered or risked. They want more than what they're putting in. That's a covetous attitude. That's an idea of getting more for your dollar than it's worth. Okay? Gambling is inherently an act of avarice, covetous, and greed. It's impossible to gamble without being covetous or demonstrating avarice. It's just important and impossible. Whether you understand it or not, it's true. To gamble is show an attitude of avarice and covetousness. Gambling is a mutual agreement between individuals to allow each other to take possessions or ownership of their wealth that is worth more than what is given or lost in return. Keep going. Pure gambling, I call that pure gambling, so because people like to talk about... Uh, Insurance being gambling, stocks being gambling, and all of that. But a lot of, in a lot of those things, you actually have to do a lot of thinking. There's intelligence involved. There's deliberation. Pure gambling eliminates 
I'm sorry, pure gambling eliminates all skill or intelligence on the part of the gambler, except, of course, for the house, which knows it's going to win. The house knows it's going to win. When you come to lottery, in fact, it's a law that the house has to win. And in fact, they actually monitor how much money is being lost during the day. And when it comes to a certain point, you're not going to win anymore. You're not going to win. So the house knows it's going to win. When we were talking about this, uh, one of the uh, uh, web shot owners says, well, that's not true because I've got, to, I've got to go to business because I don't have money to operate it. Well, what he was demonstrating was that he was not a good manager of the money he had. That's all he was saying. Okay? Now, here is where this was proven where a game of chance is not called, I'm sorry, gambling is not called pure gambling if skill is involved. Very recently in the United States, a judge made that ruling because something happened in a casino and this casino was sued by these individuals who said that they must be uh, paid because of, I forgot the whole story on it, but this is what the judge says. Talking about poker now. Poker is more a game of skill than a game of chance. So game operators should not be prosecuted under the federal law that prohibits running an illegal gambling business. So in the States now, by this legal decision, poker is not seen as gambling because skill is involved. I'm underlining this to say that, you know, why are you going to invest something that is doesn't take any skill, it doesn't take any intelligence at all. It's pure luck, pure chance. Let's go on. Keep going. If skill is involved in any form or fashion, while the outcome may be uncertain, it will not be arbitrary or random. Risk may also be involved, but pure gambling will not be. Not all risk-taking is gambling, although all gambling is risk-taking. You understand the difference? All right. Go on. Thinking people do not gamble. I just said that. Or at least they are not thinking when they gamble. All right? Notice what Paul says in Colossians 6. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap. And that's what people who gamble want to do. They want to get rich. They want to get rich. That's why they want to earn more than they put in. They will fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now, if Christians were really keen on obeying the word of God, that passage alone should keep them from gambling. That passage alone. Because they fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Notice, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. This passage says it's possible for a believer to be pulled away from the faith because of their gambling. So when people tell you that the scripture doesn't say anything about gambling, it's just because they don't know what the scripture teaches. And I'm going to make a point. There's a, little, there's a difference between what the scripture says and what the scripture 
teaches. The scripture might not say it's wrong to gamble, but it teaches that it's wrong to gamble. For instance, I like to illustrate it like this. The scripture says there is no God. Doesn't it say that? But what does it teach? It teaches that the fool says there's no God. So we have to be more concerned with what the Bible teaches rather than what it says. Although, of course, we need to be concerned about both. Jesus himself said, beware, God against every kind of greed, every kind of greed. Gambling is involved in that. Life is not measured by how much you own. You could say by how much you win. Life is not measured. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is amounts to idolatry. That's aspect of the old nature, the old man. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Now I want to take off on what Jesus says, greed, or what Paul says, greed which is idolatry. Uh, in the Old Testament, we have a lot of teachings about false gods, idols. And Jeremiah talks about it. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O Israel, this is what the Lord says. Do not act like other nations who try to read their future in the stars. Do not be afraid of their predictions, even though other nations are terrified by them. Their ways are futile and foolish. They cut down a tree and a craftsman calf carves an idol. He's talking about making idols now. Next slide. They decorate it with gold and silver and then fasten it securely with hammer and nails so it won't fall over. Their gods are like helpless scarecrows in the cucumber field. They cannot speak and they need to be carried because they do not walk. Yet these are the things made by man that man will then turn around and worship. These are gods that they create themselves and they're not gods at all. Do not be afraid of such gods. For they can neither harm you nor do you any good. Isaiah talks about it as well. Who will you compare with God? What likeness will you compare with him? An idol? Something that is smelted cast and a, melt, and a metal worker plates with gold and makes silver wells for it? To one who shapes a pedestal, choosing wood that does not rot? He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not fall over. He's trying to emphasize that these people make their own gods. They make these things that can do nothing for themselves, and they turn around and they worship this as a god. Now, let me show you why I talked about idol making. Because remember, Jesus says greed is idolatry. I'm trying to demonstrate now that gambling serves gods that men make themselves. All right? Here's some research. During the Babylonian captivity, the Israelites came under the influence of people who gambled. As a result, some of the captives also became involved. To these people, God, through Isaiah, says, Ye are they that forsake the Lord. They forget my holy mountain that prepared table for that troop and that furnished a drink offering unto that number. See that word troop and number is actually a different translation for that. As indicated in some modern translations of the Bible, the Hebrew word translated troop and number were names of heathen gods, Gad and Mini. To the heathen, Gad was the silver of good luck, the giver of good luck. Mini was the god of bad luck. So these were gods, these were idols. Now go on. 
The translation of Isaiah 65:11 by James Moffat is as follows: "You who have forsaken the eternal, you who ignore his sacred hill, spreading tables to good luck, pouring libations to fate, I make the sword your faith." God is against people who make these gods and worship them. And notice the gods are the gods of good luck and fate, or chance, if you want. M. H. Plumtree, late dean of Wells, has pointed out that Gad was worshipped as the greater fortune, the giver of good luck. Meany was worshipped as the lesser fortune. George Rollinson, who one time served as professor of ancient history at Oxford, has indicated that the name Meany designated a deity who apportions men's fortunes to them. The sin for which some of the Israelites were condemned was trusting in luck rather than God. In other words, they created these gods in their own minds. These gods did not exist. The god of luck, the god of chance, but they created it just the same way. that They would go and cut down a tree and make it and put all kinds of things on it and turn around and call it God. They made it in their own minds. Now notice, Isaiah described those who trusted in gambling as they that forsake the Lord. Isaiah 65 in the... In the, in the um, CE version says, What will I, the Lord, do if any of you reject me and my holy mountain? What will happen to you for offering food and wine to the gods you call good luck and fate? Good luck and fate. And that's what gambling is all concerned with, the gods of good luck and faith. This is how the New Living Translation puts it. Because the rest of you have forsaken the Lord and have forgotten his temple, and because you have prepared feasts to honor the God of fate and have offered mixed wine to the God of destiny or the God of chance, you deliberately sinned before my very eyes and chose to do what you know I despise. That's God's words concerning gambling. Now let me share my conclusion. Gamblers going to, a web, to web shops or casinos could be seen as worshippers or devotees going to their temples to present their offerings or wages as sacrifices to the non-existing gods of chance and lady luck, who can neither see, hear, feel, or walk, thus totally and absolutely unable to meet their needs. They only live, these gods only live in the minds of those who created them. So I'm, that's why I, my conclusion to all of this is that gambling is an idol that thrives on greed. Gambling is an act of spiritual idolatry. Now, if that doesn't speak to you, I don't know what should as believers. Now, this will have no impact on unbelievers at all. They don't care about this. But for believers, it should, shouldn't it? Any questions, comments? It really is. Well, Hannah has a word. Yeah, uh, I think that um, there's no question about the church um, backing the pastoral view. Um, but don't, don't say that too readily, my brother, because we know some who don't already. Okay. On, on the day that the referendum is held, that those who are in favor of this going through are not somehow padded at the polls to count extras uh, to see this pass, that in other words, it don't go through because of dishonest means. I think we definitely need to be praying that, you know, people who are there will be vigilant uh, instead of, you know, uh, certain people allow themselves to be paid off to count 
more yes than those who voted. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to close that now. Uh, any of the pastors want to say something, and then maybe you can have one or two of you pray before we go. Mike? I know what's going on with these mics tonight. <laughs> Both mic, um, the just, mic and the mic. Just following on from what uh, Brother Hannah was saying, uh, some have suggested that going ahead with this referendum itself is constitutionally illegal. I think that's where he was going. I'm not sure that is true. It, the Constitution does not require it, but I don't know if we can say it's illegal. A government can have a referendum and they want on anything. The Constitution, I don't think, say this is illegal, by what I understand. In fact, we had Brian Marie down at one of our conclaves with the pastors, and he said that. It is not constitutionally required, but it is not illegal at all. They have the right to do that. In fact, I think it comes under the Gaming Act. If you want to read some interesting things, look up the Gaming Act and all of the policies and the laws regarding it. Quite interesting. I'd just like to make one other comment, Pastor Lee. Um, in uh, 1974, I think it was, uh, they had a referendum in um, New Jersey on gambling, and uh, it wasn't passed then, but it was approved in uh, 76, and, and what, they hope, what they had hoped to achieve was uh, to um, uh, deal with uh, some urban uh, problems. Um, uh, they were hoping that uh, approving the gambling would solve a lot of the urban problems. But they didn't. But it didn't. It didn't right. happen. As they a matter of fact, some say that it has exacerbated. Caused more problems, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The same thing happened in Australia. Australia did what we're trying to do now. Numbers was illegal. They deregulized it, making it legal. Now they are trying to go back and to make it illegal again because they found out that it caused more problems and difficulties. And that's just happening now in, the, in, in Australia. I think about two weeks ago, the prime minister himself said that he had been appraised by the attorney general that this question of a... Uh, gambling referendum could be illegal and that they may have to not call it a referendum but more a an opinion from the people now whether that's changed since then i don't know but yeah, the prime minister himself said that on okay. local news interesting i'll have a look at that one interesting i personally believe though that it's quite possible that he's going to call it off because this is becoming more of a political problem for him and he expected this is coming almost the way it was when the FNM wanted to have the, remember that? And they got thrown out, whatever it is. It looks like we're going in the same direction because there's so much negativity now coming against all of this. All right, let's close out.